Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution, an economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business in the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by SAGE, energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. I'm Ed Kless with my friend and co-host Ron Baker, and on today's show, the deleterious effects of hourly billing. Ron, how are you doing today? I'm great, Ed. How are you? I'm great. You know, it's not often that we comment on the opening of our show, that great Reagan quote, but I feel a little bit compelled to today, <clears throat> considering that I am coming to our audience today from Melbourne, Australia. Right on. And, you know, just the, the, the imagination and creativity that it takes of, you know, the people who invented Skype and, of course, our, our good friends at Voice America to, to put this together that... We can do it, do the show, and you know. Normally, I'm in Dallas. You're you're in Petaluma, California, and suddenly that doesn't seem like that amazing when when I'm in Australia now. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> and come and coming at you by the way from Saturday. So rest assured, those of you listening live, that in in the United States that there will be a Saturday. I'm, I have it on authority now. So <laughs> awesome. <laughs> It is amazing. It is amazing when you think about it. <clears throat> yep, yep, so true. So, listen, another topic today in the wheelhouse, as it were. I mean, this this goes back to your first book, right? The it Professional's does. Guide to Value Pricing. You had a chapter on the, the, the deleterious effects of hourly billing. And, and before we send our audience scrambling for their dictionary applications, we'll just define deleterious for you. It means uh, causing harm, causing harm. So it not only is it bad, it's also harmful, can cause harm to, to the very people who use it. And, that, and that's really what we believe. But before we take that on, Ron, I think it's in, on, in only fairness to the entirety of the topic that we present some of the advantages of billing by the hour. Because I think it, we, we can't just be dismissive of that. It's, it's certainly ubiquitous, unfortunately, but it is still ubiquitous in professional organizations and it shouldn't be dismissed outright without talking about some of those advantages. So why don't we why don't we go through a couple of those? Okay. Yeah, there's you know that's the thing I grappled with was my first book because it, when we talk about economics we talk about the assumption of rationality, right? That people are rational at least to some extent and how can you say that hourly billing's not rational if it's hung around as long as it has and this many people use it. So I tried to explain, okay, it, it's definitely got its advantages, right? It's easy and efficient. <laughs> I yep. think that's, that's a big one, right? I mean, let's face it. it you just uh, put, log the time in, goes into a program, spits out a bill, and boom, you're done. You mm -hmm. know, so from that standpoint, especially when the uh, 
computer hit the desktop, it made this very, very efficient form of billing in the late 60s and 70s. Um, and then I, I have to say, Ed, and, and you hear this a lot, is it's perceived as fair. I agree. I agree. <clears throat> right? Uh, and, two, and the, <clears throat> two big open words there, perceived and fair, but yes, it is. Yep, and uh, you know, people because it's because it's been around so for so long, they do perceive it as fair. It's what they know, it's what they've grown up with. It's how everybody else does it, and 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 there's a lot of inertia built into that. Um, there's also a certain amount of market stability. Um, it's you know, it's not a goal of mine to have stable markets. I want unstable and <laughs> right. markets with a lot of creative destruction. But it it you know it it does kind of. Like how water settles, you know, kind of, mm-hmm. uh, it, it kind of provides that framework. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and, you know, some people say, well, it's comparable across firms. You know, it gives, it gives a way for uh, buyers to compare firms. I don't think it does. I don't think it transmits much information because it's not a price. Mm-hmm. A, pr- a price gives away certainly to uh, compare offerings, right? But but an hourly rate, there's there's still a lot of uncertainty and a lot of unanswered questions. Well, and I just want to pick up on that for a second because I think that's one of the, 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 the things that I hear over and over again when we talk about pricing is people say, well, my, my rate is a price. And you have to dissuade them of that because no, it's not. Uh, the price has to be has to be the rate times the number of hours that it's going to take. That's ultimately the price. The rate is not a is not a price for an hour because the customer is not buying hours essentially. Right, and yeah. and another one is sometimes the customer demands it. I still hear this to this yeah, day. Oh yeah, I heard it yesterday, Ron. I heard it yesterday. <laughs> wow. Yesterday at Save Summit, I said no. I th- you know, this person said no. My customer, you don't understand Australia. <laughs> yeah, no, of course. No, it's, <laughs> the, yeah. the customers demand that we build them by the hour. I'm like okay. <laughs> and of course, but you know the 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 bottom line is the customer can't can't dictate how a, a company prices. Correct. They can judge value, but they mm-hmm. they have no control over your pricing. So I would have asked that person if he got a letter from Qantas, asking him if uh, Qantas could go to to uh, yield management pricing. You know, right. I never got a letter from my airline or my hotel asking me that. No, no, no. And and McDonald's never said, "Well, we're going to charge you by the French fry this time." Yeah, you know? yeah, or or do a Happy Meal bundle or or whatever. Right. So. Uh, and I think the kind of customer that demands hourly billing is probably the kind of customer you, you don't want. But in all fairness, Ed, we've trained them. Yep. We've educated the customer to, to ask for it and kind of demand it. But I think they're pretty easy. The, the problem is not with the customer with this change. That's for sure. The problem is with changing the professional's mindset. That's customers correct. demand fixed pricing everywhere else. So why wouldn't they hear? Um you also hear from the legal profession, hourly billing is required in case of, uh, of litigation. Now, that's true with, in, in some respects, like bankruptcy and things like that. Um, but there's law firms out there that do massive litigation uh, on alternative uh, pricing bases. Um, mm-hmm. uh, our colleague, Kirk Bowman, just interviewed one, Pat Lamb out of, of uh, Valorum in Chicago. There's Bartlett Beck, there's Wachtell Lipton, there's a whole a pile of firms doing litigation, including a lot of family lawyers, uh, right. and family lawyers are litigators. So that Mark one Chen doesn't and, hold and, and also our friend Chris Marsden too, right? I mean, one, corporate lit- corporate litigation, one hundred percent fixed price all the time. Yep. 
Um, hourly billing leads to higher volume. Sometimes you hear this argument that uh, you know if you're if you if you quoted a price uh, for the whole thing, it might dampen demand. You hear this in the legal profession a lot, but it you know it might prevent some people from accessing justice. But I always ask lawyers. I said, really, you 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 lowball what you think the case is going to cost because if you if you told the client they wouldn't engage you, so you just bill them by the hour, and then the hourly bill ratchets up above <laughs> above the estimate, mm-hmm. and then they go and complain to the bar against you. I said that doesn't sound even ethical to me. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, I mean, funny, I, like a... <laughs> so I don't I don't buy that, and of course. Of course, the four defenses of hourly billing, right? It's a cost accounting tool. It's a productivity tool. It's, it's a project management tool. Uh, we've dealt with these on prior shows. I think uh, our trashing in the timesheet show, the number 109, I believe it is. And uh, the cost accounting, I think, uh, Reginald Lee blew out of the water, um, um, you know, with his book, Lies, Damn Lies, and Cost Accounting. Um, but the interesting one, Ed, and this is, I think, is a big one, and this might explain why it's hung around as long as it has. Hourly billing transfers risk to the customer, and I think professionals, for the most part, I'm not sure if it's risk aversion or loss aversion. Um, I, it could be a combination of both, but we like to transfer risk, <laughs> and and hourly billing certainly does that. Mm-hmm. But but let's talk about that because that's that that's an interesting thing, especially when we tie it to, you know, one of your great insights that you taught me, which is is that profits come from risk, right? Exactly. So if you're transferring the risk back to the customer, which there's no question that hourly billing does, I don't think anybody who's who even believes in billing by the hour would say otherwise. That well, yeah, it clearly does transfer the risk back to the customer. That's why we do it, right? But one has to also remember that what that when you transfer the risk back to the customer, you also significantly reduce your your profitability or ability to generate a profit because profits come from taking risks. That's that's the, the uh, that's the very nature of them. Um, and as you said, you said as you said very often, look if you if you're so risk averse that you don't want to worry about taking a risk, cash out, take all of your assets and put them into government bonds. And then yep. you learn what you know two percent or whatever, and then but you don't no risk. <laughs> Certainly, don't start a business, including no. a professional firm. Yeah, shifting the risk to the customer, you end up paying a reverse risk premium. And we've talked about this many times. You, you actually put a ceiling over your head. Yeah, you've got a nice cushy floor beneath you. I don't doubt that. You you know you've got this minimum that you'll never go below. But you've also got this artificial ceiling. It's like living in a you know six foot ceiling home or something, and and we put the ceiling there, and that's yes. what that reverse risk premium is doing. Yep. And so just to be clear, because I think that's a that's a confusing term. Reverse risk premium is a ceiling. That's what you're talking about, right? Yes. Okay. Yep. The ceiling and and the comfy floor. You know the hammock that you rest in <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. by shifting that risk. But the if you if uh, you limit the if you put the risk on the customer, they're going to limit your upside, and that's what we've done. Um, and, well, and, and you say in, you say in your book that this is actually demonstrated by the, the the golden numbers that they all talk about, right? Which is the fact that realization rates are, are about fifty to ninety five percent of the standard hourly rates. Well, that demonstrates the very principle. Right, yeah, that, you're trying, that you're illustrating. It's just like, well, the, that proves it. 
it, it's one of the fascinating things. The thing that fascinated me about writing the first book is why do professions who engage in hourly billing write down and write off more than they write up as reflected mm-hmm. in these 50 to 95 percent realization rates around the world, by the way, no matter what industry professional sector you're right. looking at. And yeah. it dawned on me is because, yeah, they're shifting the risk. You know, basically, they're finding out after the fact that the customer doesn't like the price, and then you're stuck with either writing down or writing off, and and possibly even losing the customer even after you do that. Um, the other thing, Ed, the last one I think on the list of advantages to hourly billing is, hey, mm-hmm. it served us so well. Why should we change? And right. I think this this is a significant thing from behavioral economics, but this idea of satisficing, mm-hmm. you know that really cool Northumbrian word that, uh, what is it's a combination of, um, you know, satisfy and, satisfy and, and sufficient, sufficient, right? Yep. Uh, and, and it's good enough. It's kind of like, you know, it's, yeah, it's not perfect. We know it's not optimizing profit, certainly not maximizing profit, but it's good enough. And I, I think that, uh, that explains a lot of this. It's good yep. enough. And, and, and quite frankly, of all of the arguments, it's the hardest one to argue against because it, it's there, there's no argument against it per se. It yep. is true. Yes, <laughs> it is true. You're so, satisfying. I guess to sum this up, my argument has never been that hourly billing cannot be profitable. It can be. Yep. Uh, it, mm-hmm. It's not that it's irrational. I, I don't think all of these people out there, millions of people using it are, are irrational. I think it's suboptimal. And that's kind of the conclusion I came to. Yep. Yep. No. And I, th- I think I think it would agree. obviously I would agree because we've talked about this forever. But so th- that's a great summary, Ron. I think so. Now for the, the next three segments, I think what we can do is dissect some of these and talk about the disadvantages. And that's what we'll talk about in segments two, three, and four of our show today. But right now we're up against a break, so we want to remind you that you can contact Ron or me at ask t s o e at verisage. We do have our website, thesoulofenterprise.com, where we post all of our show notes, as well as links to the previous shows and upcoming previews. All of the audio is out there, but you can, of course, subscribe to our iTunes link, thesoulofenterprise.com slash iTunes. Happy to say that we got another review on iTunes this week, Ron. You mentioned to me just before we got started on the show, so we're pretty pleased with that. But, hey... That's not going to stop the rest of you from going and, and, uh, and uh, reviewing the show. Those are that's some of the most important things that you can do if you like what you hear on The Soul of Enterprise. Please go out to iTunes and review the show or at least rate the show. We appreciate it. But right now we want to hear from our sponsor, Leading Results. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You've experienced it. Marketing and selling has changed dramatically in the last few years. The search engine has completely altered the way customers buy. Your clients are now driving the process their way. At Leading Results, we know how to work with this. We don't just jump in and start doing. Together, we plan your marketing strategy. Install a website that gets results and create lead generation programs that drive sales. Visit leadingresults.com slash TSOE to find out more and to schedule a 30-minute conversation with us. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? 
I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. We're tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're here on episode number 132 of The Soul of Enterprise doing the deleterious effects of hourly billing. And we kind of walk through the advantages of hourly billing and why it's a rational policy. Now we want to turn to the disadvantages and talk about why the disadvantages outweigh the advantages. And Ed, I remember when I practiced with my partner, Justin Barnett, he was doing an audit for uh, one of his customers and he gave them a fixed price. But when he went out there, there was a lot of things that came up that he didn't anticipate. They, had, they hadn't fulfilled some of their obligations of getting him certain information, and he had to duplicate it and things like that. And so he came back, and he tried to get an extra two or 3000 I think it was, uh, out of them. And he, when, they, when they pushed back and they said, well, but Justin, you gave us a fixed price. He yeah. said, yeah, but I spent the time. I spent the hours. Mm-hmm. And the guy said to him, "Hours schmowers." <laughs> and when I came in that morning, Justin uh-huh. had that phone call. He was not a happy camper. He was a, in a real pissy mood. Uh-huh. But we talked about it, and it's like, you know what? They're right. I mean, I know it doesn't feel good, but they're right. You gave them a mm-hmm. fixed price. We need to live with it. Now, we, we weren't good at, at nailing change orders or change requests uh, like we are now, but it was really one of the things that drove us to get rid of the billable hour because I realized one of its biggest disadvantages is it's a crappy customer experience Mm -hmm. because you don't learn until after usually um, what the price is and how many things do you buy in your life where you don't know the price up front it just Mm -hmm. doesn't you know doesn't make any sense Mm -hmm. and then what I what I find interesting about this one is that the reply usually is, is well, we give them an estimate, right? <laughs> yes. And I'm like, okay. And so what, so what does that mean? It says, well, that's, that's the estimate. So, well, what if you go over what's going to happen? And they usually will say one of two things. Either, well, we'll get the customer to pay more, which doesn't happen. Or, and this is the most intriguing response. And, by the way, the most popular one, well, we'll, we'll, we'll just have to, to live with it. I said, well, why didn't you just give them a fixed price anyway? I mean, that's, right. I, that, that's the one I don't understand. It's like, like why <laughs> and, did you bother? <laughs> and, and, and I used to, I used to be the king of giving estimates and it, it dawned on me as well. This is part of the crappy customer experience, but we give estimates to make ourselves feel good. It, it does nothing for the customer. Imagine yeah. pulling down a can of soup at the grocery store and seeing a range of prices on it. It's just annoying. You'd, you'd right. be annoyed. So, 
Um, yeah, it, the whole estimate thing. And I've kind of changed my mind about that now rather than giving an estimate. I said, well, good geez, if you're smart enough to come up with an estimate at the front, why don't you just quote the high end and shut up? Well, now, mm-hmm. of course, we're saying give them three options, maybe somewhere right. in that estimate. And that's far more strategic. But what the big one of the big disadvantages, Ed, of, of uh, hourly billing is, and, and even, by the way, the proponents of hourly billing will admit this. Um, that it misaligns the interests of the right. professional and the customer. Um, the, the firm obviously has every incentive um, to bill the most hours, and the customer wants their work done in the most effective manner, or maybe even in the most efficacious manner, as we like to say. And there's a problem there. Now, I, I think it's hard enough to align incentives without starting off a relationship <laughs> with a pricing method that misaligns those incentives right out of the gate. Correct. Correct. And that's, and that's a, that's a huge challenge. And, and, and you're right that that is the, the, the one disadvantage that they'll all admit to it, Yep. That's what it does do that. And, and, and honestly, we have what 15 or so deleterious effects here. If just for that one, it makes sense to get rid of Albertly billing. Just because from a customer experience perspective and none other, in my opinion. Yep. I mean, if we talk to a CXO, you know, the, the customer experience office officer oh, yeah. in any company, I mean, this is just, this just flies in the face of everything they do to try and create a positive experience for the customer. It's a, it's a, it's a bug in the design <laughs> big time. Yep. Um, and, and, and it's funny because the proponents of hourly billing will admit this, but then they'll say, but we just need better ethical standards, uh, for billing by the hour. Like, uh, there was one particular author who wrote the honest hour who actually advocates as, as a way to overcome this misalignment that firms account for every single minute. And mm-hmm. so therefore you eliminate rounding up, you, you know, you'd eliminate some of these other things that uh, are built in incentives to overbill. And I just, I just go back to what we always say, there's no good way to implement a crappy idea. The billable hour is a crappy idea. Yep. And, and look, and, and, and this is, this is part of the problem and challenge with technology and with all due respect to all of the people who sell timesheet systems, you know, they, they are getting better and better at capturing or trying to making the attempt to capture every single minute, including things like biometric feedback. We have to scan your, you know, scan your thumbprint or whatever to, to, to start a, start a, a time engagement going and a clock ticking to invasive systems that track keystrokes in law firms. And I'm just like, you have got to be kidding me. I know. I know, and, and 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 your screen will turn a different color whether or not you're you're meeting that day's hourly billing quotas, and you know. Can you imagine? So, no. <laughs> I can't imagine. There's a real funny uh, video, and I think you've seen it uh, uh, out of uh, an ad agency called North. They're up in Portland, Oregon, and they've been timesheet free since 2011. But they did a real humorous video. We need to uh, get that in the show notes, so we'll be we'll be sure to do that. Um, yeah, great stuff. But the second, the second uh, disadvantage, and of course, folks, these are in no particular order. I didn't try and rank these when I, when I wrote this chapter. I just kind of laid them out. Um, but hourly billing focuses on hours, not value, um, mm-hmm. which is very internal looking. But it would be yeah, that old marketing axiom that you never talk about features. You, you talk about benefits, mm-hmm. right? Not, not uh, 
what does this have, but how is it going to change me as the customer who buys it, right? How am I going to be affected by it? And the billable hour doesn't focus on any of that. It focuses nope. on the inputs, not the outputs. It focuses on the, the, the costs, not the outcomes to the customer. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Well, what's the, what's the axiom in the wine industry, Ron? Oh, it's uh, easier. It's easier to count the bottles than it is to describe the wine. That one. There you go. Yep. Always, <laughs> <laughs> it's always easier to track inputs uh, than it is to judge outputs, right? Mm-hmm. And and we got tons of examples of that. Um, like professional education, they measure the hours your butt sits in an uncomfortable chair because it's much harder to measure what you learned. Mm-hmm. Well, not, actually, not really hours. It's not true, Ron, because remember, a CP hour, at least in the United States, is only 50 minutes long. But that's and- just a function of rounding, Ed. So if they, <laughs> if they went back to calculating every minute, then they're... <laughs> I see. I see. Well, you know, see and we'll have to put a, Yeah, exactly. We'll have to put a link to my blog post. You remember when I think I wrote this in 2008 or 2009, my suggestion for people to do a price increase, just, just especially in the accounting profession... Just tell their customers that they're redefining the hour to the way the AICPA does, right? So instead of instead of a 60-minute hour, we're going to have a 50-minute hour, and therefore it's a 17% price increase across the board. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, the third uh, disadvantage as we go through this list is the exact opposite of one of the advantages because hourly billing places risk on the customer. I listed this in both places because because of that reverse risk premium. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, if you shift that risk to the customer, then you're never going to get a premium for giving them certainty in price. And I always equate this to the mortgage market, right? We Most of us, at least in the United States, will pick a fixed rate mortgage because we don't like risk and uncertainty. And we'll pay a, a, a premium for that, even though, as we love to point out, uh, it costs the bank more, actually, internally, to process a variable rate mortgage. Yep. So the price doesn't have anything to do with the cost. It has everything to do with the subjective value of the customer, and, and customers will avoid or pay to avoid uh, risk and uncertainty, which is why insurance is a two-point-something trillion-dollar worldwide industry. Yep. I think it's important, though, and this is in the in the chapter that you wrote, that to point this out that the American Bar Association did a a survey, right, and in on their litigation committee's report, and it said this is a quote from the from the American Bar Association: most clients are willing to pay a premium in exchange for predictable fees. So, especially those lawyers that argue, well, I, I have to do this because the Rick Cannons require that I bill by the hour. Well, read your own material. Exactly, right? and. And Ed, one thing I think I chopped off that sentence maybe is, yeah, most clients are willing to pay a premium in exchange for a predictable fee, even if they believe hourly billing would result in a lower overall Uh price. Um, that's quoted somewhere else around in the book. Okay. But, um, okay. You, you yeah. know that is very true, and and that that if you look at the site on that, it goes back to 1996. But we've known that for for an awful long time. So. Um, and the fourth disadvantage here is, I, and I really do believe this, and it's one of the hardest things to articulate, but hourly billing fosters a production mentality, or what I've begun to think about as a task mentality, rather than an entrepreneurial or knowledge worker spirit, or even the definition of a professional, which is taking responsibility for producing an outcome, not delivering a series of tasks. 
But if I atomize everything into an hour or a six-minute unit, then I'm thinking about the task. And I think that attention to the task comes at the expense of the attention to producing an outcome. Yeah, and, and this ties into what our, our friends at, at Culture Rx, Jody Thompson and Callie Rensler, talk about with the results-only work environment. Mm-hmm. And the, the notion, and I, I just love this phrase, and I have used this probably, if not every day, at least three or four times a week since, since uh, Jody appeared on our show, and that is manage the work, not the people. Not the people, I do. I love that. Right, and manage the work, not the people, and and that and that's what we're to, and managing the hours is managing the people. That's it's not the you're not managing the work at all. Exactly, you're not doing any of the precepts of project management that you talk about. And and the other thing I think it does is you've got this sort of Damocles hanging over all your people's heads, and we're bifurcating their life. We're saying you're either billable or you're non-billable, and if you're non-billable, we want you to feel really uh, guilty about it, and and that's just no way to get the best out of its best creativity. I mean, I think you know Howard would say it raises anxiety, right? Yeah, just uh, a little. <laughs> yeah, and it just doesn't, and and then you're less willing to take risk because you have to play everything safe. You don't want to make mistakes. You certainly don't want to admit mistakes, um, and and so you 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 basically you crush. The entrepreneurial spirit, you kill it in its crib. Uh, and I, th- th- there's so much here that is really, really hard to articulate. And the only way you see it is if you look at environments that don't measure time. And then you see uh, how all, all these other advantages that are very, very soft and hard to quantify. But you, boy, they bleed through when you experience it. But you're right. But everyone who gets jettisons their timesheet and gets rid of this, when we interview them as kind of an after-action review, uh, they'll, first of all, they'll say, I wish we had gotten rid of timesheets sooner. But the other thing that they say is, I can't believe the, the increased amount of creativity that my people are, are, are now demonstrating to me that I never knew existed. Right. Yep. And there's more knowledge sharing. I, you know, just this crushing this idea of the knowledge worker spirit. Um, what I meant by that is we're not doing knowledge management. Knowledge management fails because knowledge management requires non-billable time. So yep. it's easy. It's the the you know it's the easiest thing to push off. But if you get rid of that time measurement, then you're going to be more collaborative and you share knowledge. You're going to do things like after action reviews and things like that that will give you uh, a full knowledge bank. So well, Ed, this is fascinating. We've only gotten through four. We have a few more to go, obviously. <laughs> but uh, folks, we need to uh, go pay some bills. But I'd like to remind you, if you want to email Ed or myself, please do so at asktsoe at verisage.com. We will post full show notes at thesoulofenterprise.com, including a funny new video by the advertising agency North up in uh, Portland, Oregon. A hat tip to our colleague, Tim Williams. And now we want to hear from our sponsor. of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. 
The value of this book is found entirely in its foreword. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the foreword and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit us on the web at the soul of you can also chat with us on twitter using hashtag ask tsoe now back to the soul of enterprise among the most amusing of the deleterious effects of the billable hour ron and and, and i i was so grateful that we decided to do this show because the, the, the other ones that we've previously talked about and some that are to follow are very common arguments that, that people make, so th- they come up over and over. But this one kind of gets buried, but I, I just absolutely love this. And <laughs> it, it, m- mostly because we're, 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 we're dealing with entrepreneurs who, for the, for the most part, are you know, capitalist in nature, right? So this one, you can, you can, you can appeal to them. Um, but hourly billing creates a subsidy system inside your organization. It, it actually creates a welfare state, yep. right? And uh, <laughs> people are like, I'm not in favor of welfare, but you do it when you bill by the hour. Like, well, how is this possible? And it's, it's simply just this. And this happens, I'm sure, it, I know it happens in accounting because you talk about it in the book, but where this happens much more is in technology, mm-hmm. right? In the, in the stuff that I do. So say, Customer A comes to you and they need to, they, they need developed a customized report, right? And you know they you t- you take them through this and it's going to be from an hourly billing standpoint, it's going to cost them ten thousand dollars, right? The, the, that's that, that's the uh, that's the number of hours that it takes you to do this report for them, right? Right. right. So you charge them ten thousand dollars, and uh, customer B comes along, I don't know, two or three weeks later, and they want the same report. Yep. Well, now what do we charge customer B? Because we have that customization report. Now what we need to do, maybe it just takes us, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes to install the report that we developed for customer A at $10,000 for customer B. Well, now we're only going to charge customer B, I don't know, what's, you know, let's say it's a half hour at $200 an hour, $100. Right. Well, now you've just created a subsidy system. Customer A subsidized customer B. What if customer A was a not-for-profit not agency that was doing, you know, d- doing this work and, you know, sa- saving the turtles in Biafra or something, you know, and customer B is this mega wealthy multimillionaire who runs a, a movie studio production company, right. right? Well, now you have a reverse Robin Hood system on here, right? We, we're, now, we're now robbing from the poor to pay for the rich, right? And, and, exactly. and it can go the other way, too. So, 
Sure, sure. Yeah, no. And, and of course, we advocate that you price the customer, which might very well mean that you charge the first guy 10 grand and the second person only a thousand. But mm-hmm. at least that difference is based upon willingness and ability to pay, which is value, which is external looking, whereas the subsidy system you just talked about was based on internal costs. Mm-hmm. And it would be like if, if you bought a, a, a brand new pharmaceutical drug and, you know, the first one was a hundred grand because you had to pay for all the R&D costs. And then I come along afterwards and, and I pay like five bucks because that's the marginal cost of the pill in the bottle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the first, the first customer, you know, p- carries all the R&D costs. I mean, you could think about that with technology too. Boy, the poor first person that buys Microsoft Office. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Now, and what a lot of people, a lot of firms do in technology is the way they, 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 they separate it out. So suddenly what they'll do is they'll start to say, okay, well, we will do fixed prices for certain reports, right? And they, yep. they just, you know, they create, say, a library of them. And, you know, this cash flow report is $500 or $5,000 or, or whatever. Sure. But w- what's interesting is, of course, they're admitting that there's a, there's a problem, there's a fault in the billable hour model when they do that, right? So that they, they're, they're having to make up for that inherent flaw. So it's, it's, just, it's just, just another point for us to, once they start doing that to say, oh, this really doesn't make much sense. Absolutely. And for those of you counting at home, we're up to our sixth dis, uh, disadvantage of hourly billing. But the big, uh, big one, Ed, and I think this one's big too, is it can't price risk. Um, I, I've, ta- I've been taught by actuaries that there is no actuarial model for pricing risk by the hour. That's just not how it works. And I uh-huh. guess Exhibit A would be Enron, you know, uh-huh. and Arthur Anderson's right. oh, audit, yeah, yeah. you know, um, through that great actuarial axiom that there's no such thing as a bad risk. There's only bad premiums. But if you're talking about risk, you you and, and everything that uh, professionals do, from IT to, to accounting to legal, um, there's risk, right? Uh-huh. And there's just no way to price that by the hour. You just can't build. It's not dependent, on again, on your inputs of hour. Uh-huh. That risk right. is there independent of any other factor. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the example that you give in the book is, you know, a celebrity divorce versus a, you know, Mon Pa Kettle divorce. Uh, you know, the, the, and it, yes, the celebrity is going to get a lawyer that bills more by the hour, but why are they billing more per hour? Well, simply because there's more at risk, right? Tiger Woods' divorce was probably a lot more expensive than a lot of people's, even though the it might have been actually more simple from a legal perspective. I don't know. I really don't know what the situation was, but it was there was a lot at stake. There was a lot. Of, there was a high risk. Sure, certainly if you screw it up or commit any type of malpractice, uh, <laughs> you're going to have a lot right. more on the line with Tiger Woods than Ma and Pa Kettle. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you got to take into account risk, and hourly billing is absolutely silent with respect to it. Um, the seventh disadvantage is hourly billing is not predictive of uh, of a successful professional or, or David Maester's definition of a true professional, right, mm-hmm. a technician right. who cares. Um, somebody can look great on their billable hours for the year. Hey, I built 2,500 hours and let's face it, they could be a complete hack or they Uh could have an unprofessional attitude or lousy customer service, uh, attitude or, or not get along with their peers or not mentor well, or whatever it might be. It's just, there's no correlation between 
looking at somebody's billable hours or how many hours they lie on the timesheet or log on the timesheet, sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. You had it right the first time. <laughs> but, you know, it's just not, it's not, and, and as outside consultants, how many firms have we walked into and have been able to, you know, I hate to say it, but classify people as, you know, minders, finders, and grinders, right? Yeah. The rainmakers and the, the backroom people without looking at any, <laughs> any uh, hourly information, right? Mm-hmm. And and I always challenge people, you know who your good people are and you know who your duds are without looking at any timesheet data because there's because we experience those things and we judge those things. We don't measure them and we certainly don't measure them by the hour. No, and what I find is that oftentimes that with, with that, 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 that hourly measurement is then done is it's used to justify a decision that's been made because of poor customer service record, right? And then what they do is just figure out a way to, you know, not, quote, give that person hours, right? They start pulling them off of projects or or the, then they'll say, well, the hours that you're producing are all, we're writing them all off, right? So that it's, it's, it, 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 it is used retrospectively as a, a, a whip to get rid of somebody of a decision that they made someplace else. Just like the performance appraisal. Ed. Yep. Oh, it's really? Paper, huh. it's, Funny it's how that works. Pa- it's the paper shuffling that sanctifies decisions already made. Yep. Yep. Oh, uh, <laughs> we already know who those bad people are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've written them scene. on my form. Yeah. <laughs> you shouldn't have written them on your form. Oh, here they are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, those are them. <laughs> okay. Right. The number eight is hourly billing encourages hoarding of hours. Now, this I picked up from a survey that uh, David Maester and Patrick McKenna did. And I think the one of these was recounted in one of the books somewhere, Trusted Advisor. I, f- I forget which book. Mm-hmm. But they, they, they surveyed professional firms and they said, uh, what amount of work do you do that could be done by someone else more junior in the firm? Mm-hmm. Yep. And Ed, it was up to 50% or more. Dang. Of, and if you know, and I've never seen any corroborating studies on that, but just anecdotally, I I think that's true, just based on what I see. You know, we always joke that uh, in a lot of these firms, you see a lot of surgeons piercing ears. But mm-hmm. I think one of the reasons these firms don't delegate is because I need to meet my hourly quota. So I'm mm-hmm. not going to delegate hours down the chain, especially because oh well, I can do it faster and it's easier for me and blah blah blah. So it, it restricts learning, it restricts knowledge sharing, all of that. But mm-hmm. it's also you're just hoarding it to to meet your your billable hour quota. Well, and it's also a David Ricardo effect to, here too. And yes. I, I I've written a post on this as well. Is that yes, a senior person probably can do it faster. And especially if it's the owner of the organization who's doing it, then what happens is the customers start to demand, no, 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 I want Fred. I want Fred to, you, I want you to do this, Fred, because you do it faster. I know it's going to be more accurate. But, and, 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 they, and they know that if, if Fred delegates this, that there's, there's either likelihood of uh, problems or, and more, more worse, they're going to be billed 10 hours instead of two hours, right? right? And the difference between Fred's billing rate and somebody else's billing rate isn't five times, Right. And then all of a sudden, Fred's like, you know, a, the complete bottleneck on everything is completely exhausted, can't 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 function very well because all of the work coming him. And he, and he says, you know, all my junior people are crap. Well, but it was Fred that created it. Right. Yep. 
I mean, just because a lawyer can type, uh, you know, 120 words a minute and their personal assistant can only do 60 doesn't mean the lawyer should do type the typing. Right. <laughs> because the right. personal assistant can't do the legal work. So hence the surgeon's piercing ears. And right. you're right. That's a great effect. We need to get that your blog post on the David Ricardo effect. I know you've explained that in another show, but uh, try and get mm-hmm. that in the show notes as well. Um, I know we're up against it, Ed, but just let me throw out the ninth one really quick because this is, I think this is one of those redundant ones, but hourly billing focuses on efforts, not results. And we've already talked about how it, you know, looks at things from the input scale, not the output scale. This is kind of the same thing, but, you know, I think I tell the story in here of Frank Lloyd Wright, who, uh, designed falling, what is it? Falling water, right? The the famous house outside of Pennsylvania, I believe. And, you know, he procrastinated on this forever. One of his draftsmen wrote a bi- biography about it and said uh, when the guy called him up who commissioned this this work and said, uh, hey, I want to come by and see the plans. Wright had never picked up a pencil on this project. And so he kind of got off the feet. He said, oh, come on by. We've been ready for you. And the drafters are going, what? You know, nobody's done anything on this thing. And Wright walks over to his table and he says, oh, well, I have tea here on the balcony. And he starts laying out the levels and he designed Falling River in a few minutes. Uh-huh. And when the guy came by, he showed him the preliminary sketch and the, and the guy freaked out, absolutely loved it. They went to lunch and the draftsman had to kind of, you know, fill in all the details. But here was a guy who came up with, you know, an icon, iconic design uh-huh. and he uh-huh. did it. In a few minutes. Yep, yep. And the other great story, of course, that? is you don't. Is is the Merv Griffin writing the theme song to Jeopardy in you know three minutes because he wanted a he he needed a little snippet during the final Jeopardy thing, so he sits down at the piano and bangs it out. I think his estate's still getting checks. I, I think they are. It was eighty million last time I I looked it up, but uh, yeah, uh, absolutely amazing stuff. Well, Ed, this is just great, and we're on uh, number ten, so we have about eight more to go. I think eight or oh god, go. all right, but, we'll get them in. <laughs> so, uh, but in the meantime, folks, I'd like to remind you: you can uh, email Ed or myself at asktsoe at barrisage dot com. We do have a new iTunes review from. Uh, BJ Lee, so I'll read that before we end today. And now we want to hear from our sponsor, Sage. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Four new employees, a 20% increase in revenue. Being one of the 9 million women business owners in the U.S. These are your proudest numbers, your landmarks of growth and success. Sage helps you achieve business milestones with cloud and software solutions that lead to deeper financial insights. Believe in your numbers. See what Sage can do for your business. Visit believeinyournumbers.com today. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Solemn Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. 
we're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. We're tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. The next deleterious effect is that hourly billing penalizes technological advances. And Ron, this is the one that brought our friend and colleague at the Verisage Institute, Kirk Bowman, to his knees when he realized that the smarter he got, the less money he made. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yep, the quicker you get. <laughs> and that the, you know, the slowest horse wins the race in, in hourly billing. And they're like, wait, wait a minute. I thought it was supposed to work the other way, that when I got smarter, I got more money. Right, right. right. You climb down that learning curve, you're supposed to take advantage of that, right? Mm-hmm. When you get mm-hmm. uh, production doubles with every, you know, increase. And, and uh, it, it, I, I'm not kidding. People who bill by the hour, if they would have built the Concord, they would have charged it by the hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, yep. so number 11 is hourly rates are actually set by reverse competition. You know, the theory is you're supposed to take your overhead and add your profit and divide by the number of hours you think you can bill. I've never met a firm that run that had run the numbers. <laughs> when when we asked firms, how did you set your hourly rate? They said, the market. I said, well, could you be more specific? And when you really grill down, you realize they went and figured out who the top hourly rate firms were, who the bottom hourly rate firms were. And guess what? They picked somewhere in the middle. Neutral pricing. Neutral. Yeah, and and I but it's not good pricing because it's no. kind of, we're here in the big blob competing with everybody. There's no points of differentiation, mm-hmm. uh, and in fact, Ed, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to admit this. I mean, me and my partner Justin, we put our firm in Marin County so we could charge Bay Area, San Francisco hourly rates, mm-hmm. but yet still operate in Marin, which was a little bit north. Um, that was on our mind. It was complete what I call reverse competition. You're not. Now, this isn't a calculation. You're looking around at the market, and you know you don't want your dumbest competitor to set your price. <laughs> it's the we suck less theory. We yeah. suck less than they do. So. <laughs> and, and number 12 is hourly billing prices the service, not the customer. And we've talked a lot on this show about mm-hmm. pricing is moving to pricing the customer, not the product or the service, hence the airlines, the hotels, all of that. So I'm not sure we need to say anything more on that. But the other one and, and, uh, is, is hourly billing creates this enormous bureaucracy and nobody ever talks about the ROI on this. You know, you always say that it's somewhere between 8 or 15% that it costs to feed the beast, you know, feed the time and billing beast and that software cost and opportunity cost and all of that. Um, I think there's even maybe even more costs involved if you were to include write downs from billing and arrears and all of that. What is what is the ROI on this enormous bureaucracy? Does hourly yep. billing, as we go, uh, allow us enable us to get better at pricing? And I don't think it does because we just seem to make the same mistakes over and over and over. And you know, as as you, as as I say in here somewhere, if you make a mistake once, okay, you screwed up. If you make a mistake twice, okay, maybe you're a little bit slow on the uptake. But if you make the same mistake over and over and over, that's an ideology. Mm-hmm. 
That's right. what hourly billing is. Yep. And, and look, what's, what proves this one is the fact that there are 17,000 timesheet systems that are out there all claiming that they can help you reduce the bureaucracy. Yeah. Right? <laughs> they just add to it. <laughs> right. But they all claim that we, you know, we can do it better, faster, cheaper with our biometric scans. So, right. Yep. yep. And of course, hourly billing makes you price in arrears, which is why you'll never hear anybody from Verisage folks say value billing. If I hear anybody say value billing ever, I know they don't understand pricing because billing takes place in arrears. Pricing takes place up front and hourly right. billing only allows you to price in arrears, which is why we write down. Uh, number 15 is hourly billing doesn't differentiate your firm. We, we've taken the crown jewels of our intellectual capital and our points of differentiation and our strategy and we've codified it into an hourly rate. And, you know, price sends a big signal into the marketplace. Think about the price of a BMW or a Mont Blanc Ben. And, and now you're not even signaling a price. You're signaling this, this nebulous hourly rate. Um, 16, of course, and I think this is a damning one, hourly billing doesn't measure how much you left on the table. So from nope. a pricing perspective, cost accounting and timesheet data and all that is completely useless because it doesn't tell you how much you could have priced. The only way right. to understand that is to understand value. And and do our value gap exercise, right? And, and I forget what show we've talked about that on, but it might, I'm sure it was the replacement to the timesheet one. Yep. Right. So. And uh, the seven, number 17 is hourly billing diminishes the quality of life. And I, th I don't think anybody uh, would doubt this. I was just talking to somebody today and I said, have you ever talked to somebody who, who left their job and went into private? And you call them up a month later and say, hey, Ed, how do you like your job? First thing out of their mouth. I love it. Don't have to do a timesheet. Yeah. Um, you know, and again, this is that whole sort of Damocles bifurcating people's life to non-billable and billable. And, and the last one, Ed, but it probably should be first if we were ranking them in order, is hourly billing <laughs> limits your income potential. I mean, that needs to be said. We've talked about this artificial ceiling, and it is an artificial ceiling, and it's why I think Bill Gates' bank account looks a little bit different than most other professional firm entrepreneurs because he didn't have a mindset or a business model that said, I sell time. He didn't put that ceiling over his head. And That's so, correct. Uh, those, all those in sum just really um, – show, and I think show overwhelmingly that the disadvantages of hourly billing outweigh the advantages. So I just, I come back into this term we've used a lot. We like medical analogies. Hourly billing is an iatrogenic illness, right? Mm -hmm. It's a disease caused by the doctor. And I just love the Oscar Wilde line, you know, hourly billing has no enemies, but it's intensely disliked by its friends. <laughs> <laughs> I should say, uh, I love I should say the paraphrase Oscar Wilde. No, <laughs> no, but you know, I'm, I, a side note, I always think of Oscar Wilde every time I travel internationally. Do you have anything to declare? Yes, my genius. Yes, just, just my genius. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was quite a guy. Well, well, look, I just want to give a shout out to, to uh, BJ Lee. I uh, know, BJ, we've, we've corresponded before on Twitter, and you've sent us a lot of interesting things, but here's his iTunes review, Ed, and I just really want to thank you, BJ, for this. It was very heartwarming to read this. It's definitely a high satisfaction day. He said, I thought this podcast was going to be two ivory tower automaton-sounding economists discussing <laughs> angels it will take to run a big a big enterprise but they have warmly shifted the way my mind works when it comes both to my little online business and freelancing and to larger economies and it has made us much more profitable can't wait to pass this wisdom 
onto my kids. If you love Freakonomics Radio, you will love this podcast. Thanks, Ron and Ed. Well, BJ, thank you. I mean, to be compared to Freakonomics and Stephen Levitt and all of that, Mm -hmm. that's uh, that's quite an honor. So really happy you uh, enjoy the show and and keep listening and, and keep in touch for sure. No, that's great. And I, I believe is, BJ is one of the things that he does, among others, is a, he's a voice coach, is he not? Yes, I, yes, I, I believe that is correct. Yeah, I, I have to look that up, but that's what my memory is telling me right here and now, yes. <laughs> right, so, and he's applied some of these principles, I think, to several businesses that he works, but one of one of them most definitely is his his voice coaching business, which I, I just love love that idea. That's that's just amazing. And thank you so much, BJ. We really appreciate that That kind review and and as ron said to be compared to to some of those greats we really appreciate it and the fact that you mentioned hey that you want to pass this on to your kids i'm i'm overwhelmed i'm verklempt and you're more profitable that's always uh, music (laughs) to our ears too we are capitalists after all we think profit is an index of your altruism so ed what's on store for next week Next week, we have an interview show, Ron. We are interviewing for the second time. So I think our second repeat guest after after Rabbi Lappin will be our Verisage colleague, Tim Williams. And we're going to talk strategy with him. Oh, beautiful. And of course, he is the founder of Ignition Consulting Group. And he was the CEO of the ad agency that did the What Happens in Vegas Stays in Vegas campaign. So really looking forward to that, Ed. I'll see you in 167 hours. This has been the Soul of Enterprise, Business in the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage, energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. Join us next week on Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. In the meantime, please feel free to visit us at www.thesoulofenterprise.